Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. We are all enlisted in the army of God. Let me tell you a story. Let me tell you a story that happened. Let me tell you a story. Reporting your experiences from the front lines of church service. Welcome to Priesthood Dispatches Podcast. Hi everyone and welcome to episode 2 of the Priesthood Dispatches After Dinner Chat series. The audio you're about to hear is from a live stream that took place on September the 9th, 2021. Our guest was Gary Whitfield, a bishop in exile in a lovely place called California. Can't be bad. For now, sit back, relax, and enjoy the episode. Good evening, everyone, or afternoon, as it might be, uh, where our guest Gary is. Um, This is the second episode of the Priesthood Dispatches After Dinner Chat, Um, and we've got Gary Whitfield with us this evening, live from California. Yep. Hello, Gary. Um, (laughs) So... Uh, me and Gary chatted a lot over the last few days, um, and his story is fantastic. Before we get into that, um, a reminder for anyone who's forgotten the date today, it's the 9th of September 2021, and anyone who is either listening back to this as a podcast or it's come up on your YouTube randomly, um, that's when we did it. Um, so Gary was one of our first contributors to the blog um, with his story, If the Mission Were a Horse. Um, and we're going to get to that in a little while. But first off, Gary, who are you? Um, yeah, I'm Gary Whitfield. Um, I used to be a, a Mormon. Um, I live in California, originally from the UK. I've lived in California for the last five years. Awesome. And um, I'm assuming you've got a, a upgrade on the weather. Um Sure, yeah. Um, I can see patches of blue sky. This is the first time in a long time um, because it's it's obviously been lots of fires, um, real bad kind of air quality for a long while, haven't been able to really go out, so it's getting better. It's a bit cooler today. It's 93 degrees. Yesterday it was 101, which is about 40 degrees, um, so we, we, it gets a little hot. Oh my and the highest, the highest I've seen it is 116 degrees Fahrenheit, which is about 47 degrees. Oh my gosh. Um, cool. So you mentioned that you were a Mormon. Um, yes. How and when did you become a Mormon? So um, it, was, it was my father originally um, who pursued uh, religion. I was about five years old and <clears throat> he was just... Um, looking for uh, a church that's going to bring us up with some good morals. Um, he attended a few on his own, uh, and eventually there was there was a, a guy at work who who was Mormon. Um, so we went to Mormon church. Five years old. I didn't like my first day. There was some big kid who scared me, um, but you know I, I I persevered. Awesome. So it's a bit of a lottery. Whoever your dad went to work with, that was who was getting you. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> oh dear. So um you were baptized at eight and um I guess went through primary and lived the stereotypical um Mormon life, at least in the UK. 
Um, if anyone's listening from Utah, they say that the church is the same wherever you go, and that's what people love, but it really isn't. <laughs> so, but, not, not, but I've been to a church in the US, um, but from from the people I, I uh, converse with, no, it doesn't sound the same. Yeah, um, and then, yeah, the UK, I, I love the UK, and it's a very special place to me, being from the UK, um, but yeah, the church is... There's a lot less people um, than at the Utah wards, and there's a lot of stress put on a lot of people um, to kind of fulfill a Utah program where a ward of three to 400 people would carry out all the callings when you've only got 60 people or 70 people. Uh, and large boundaries as well. Yeah, yeah, you drive a long way yeah. to find people. Cool, right, so that's enough of the um, boring stuff um so just to let everyone know in discussions with gary there are certain areas of his life that we don't want to speak about tonight um but gary knows that he can get a little bit too relaxed and go off into the weeds so we have uh, a little bell and if you hear that at some point in the evening it's time for gary to shut up yeah, um, and then yeah. come come back to the yeah. conversation. Thank so you. it's appreciated. It's for my help. It's all right. Um, so let's get going. Um, the the first port of call, um, or, or first of all, we know that you were uh, raised a Mormon, uh, mm -hmm. baptized at eight. Um, you lived the the stereotypical, as we said, uh, Mormon boys upbringing, primary youth with uh priest progression um you went on a mission and the rest is history um but are you still a mormon no i'm no longer a mormon um no. yeah so we, we know where you fit on the spectrum um so is there any particular reason that you're not or is there uh yeah I'll question tell you, I, no i'll tell you the story very briefly yeah um so nine nine years ago um i was serving at the time as a, a bishop in the western Supermare first ward um and <clears throat> i i left simply simply because somebody somebody pointed out to me that uh that joseph smith um the, the original founder of the Mormon faith um, interpreted uh, the Book of Mormon with his head in a hat, and and when I was told that, I I immediately thought, well, that's that's a load of bollocks, that's lies, you know, because I was always taught there was this urine urine and thumbing. It was in all the pictures, this wonderful thing that had been, you know, buried since 600 A.D. to help Joseph Smith to translate it. I was always told it was that. So I was like, no, that's got to be lies. And uh, and it was pointed out, you know, go and have a look at this in the in the church history. Uh, and I was like, well, it doesn't matter because the Book of Mormon's true. And um, I went home that night and thought about my, you know, kind of actions and uh, really felt that I, I was rationalizing. And, and it, it was kind of like my, my pull 
saw the moment where my eyes were open to the amount of yeah. things I had rationalized along the way, um, polygamy, um, Freemasonry and Mormons and, and many other topics. So at that point, I was just like, this doesn't add up. This this is not sounding good to me. Yeah. Um, so okay. that was my that was my exit point as a as a bishop. Yeah, oh, that's and that's the crazy thing. Like people, I served as a bishop, but it was after um, that I left the church. Um, but it's always big news when an actual bishop, serving bishop or a, a serving state president um, decides um, to move away from the the gospel as such. It was it's difficult. It was it was a challenge for them in some ways. Um, my approach was that, you know, I know this is wrong, but I'm not going to um, preach from the stand. I know some bishops who had left who, you know, preached from the stand against the church. And I just thought, no, I don't want that. I just want to go quietly kind of thing. Uh, and unfortunately, um, the church, people of the church, you know, rationalized it as, oh, he's had a breakdown, you know, and, and rumored that while I wasn't there really to kind of defend hey, I left the church because it's, it's wrong. Uh, so well, just, whatever. <laughs> that is definitely enough of the heavy stuff now. We yeah. want everyone take a deep breath and relax <laughs> after dinner chat. Um, if you're watching and you want to ask Gary a question um, about anything you've heard so far, um, because it is such an interesting story, um, then yeah have a look on the chat and uh, and let us know but what we're going to do is first we're going to go to your youth um and in the states uh it was very much uh, boy scout very organized um but over here in the uk uh the youth program isn't affiliated with the boy scouts or anything like that and um, it's purely up to the local leaders to arrange activities and and have camps That's true. Apologies, we seem to have had. There we go. It was plane, plane flying overhead. Is, is that what it was? No, I'm making that up. Okay. Carry on. Took us down. Uh, it's almost like Mormonism light because, again, you've got all these programs, um, but there's no structure to hold it all together. So. Uh, along that point, I mean, I um, yeah, I grew up. I didn't despise my youth. Quite often, we'd turn up on a Tuesday night for youth activity. Nothing's planned. We're playing soccer slash football. Um, so that, that could have been the regular. Uh, but there were some wonderful experiences, some wonderful activities. But I've also been a, a youth leader as well, and I have been a youth leader in a ward where they were running um, Cubs at the same time. Okay. Um, so it, it, it kind of existed in the youth program, but it caused so much trouble. Um, in terms in terms of the young men, there was there was kind of like two young men who were above the uh, cub age. So on youth nights on Tuesday, there was just two of us. Whilst the um, the bishopric who were leading the uh, scout program went did their thing with the with the youth, and there was just us three saying, "What should we do?" kind of thing we couldn't do much with three people um yeah. and i think i think the young men struggled 
identity-wise um, to feel that they're youth uh, with, a, with a whole youth program when, when uh, there was Cubs running at the same time in the UK. I approached the bishopric a couple of times and said, hey, this isn't really working. Uh, and, and the answer was always tough. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wow. So it, it has existed, but I, I, you know, certainly the youth program provides a, a lot of opportunities um, for the youth to to experience things. Um, certainly, the way when I reflect on it, it's kind of like, yeah, they do a lot of fun things mingled with scriptures, you know, sort of the, you know, whether it's seminary or or whatever. Yeah. Um, but even seminary was great. I I, I did um, I did morning study for two years and did home study for a couple of years. And, and certainly the morning study was great to turn up and, you know, half fall asleep in class and eat breakfast and, and then did go you off. you want glue? Huh? Oh, my gosh. Seminary was a nightmare. It was? Um, for you? Yeah, I'm not a morning person. <laughs> I, I think the worst time was um, when my mum was the seminary teacher because it was held downstairs in the dining room. So all I had to do was come down and I'd literally I'd put a T-shirt on and uh, bring my duvet with me and just, yeah, it was, it was never woke up for it. I mean, I, I've been a seminary teacher for four years, but certainly when I was going through it, I, I did two years at home. Bearing in mind, this is not to show my age, but this was before the internet existed. Um, so any any youth today obviously can, can do their seminary online. Yeah. Um, but for me, I did home study for two years. That was awful. That was a case that you didn't get up early in the morning. You just, you know, I, I, in fact, reflecting on it um, today, I think it's really harsh that, you know, kids are going through their studies, trying to do in the UK, um, GCSE exams, which are really important exams, lots of pressure on the kids to go to school, do all that travel to and from school in some cases, go home, do their homework. And by the way, you have to do your seminary. It's yeah. not something that takes place at school. Um, certainly, when I, when, I, as, when I studied at home, I didn't. I put it off. I even grabbed a friend from school who helped me in some of it. It wasn't even a church member at the time. Um, but yeah, he helped me for, for some of that. Um, but when I did morning study, I didn't have to push myself to do massive catch-ups or feel guilty because I hadn't done anything. I just had to turn up. But it was, um, it was a six-mile bike ride to seminary. And, and there were times I used to go down this Klingo hill and I'd get to the bottom and my eyebrows would kind of freeze over and all kinds of stuff. So it, it kept me fit, um, but, but it, was, it, was, uh, yeah, it, was, it was it was interesting. Awesome. But, well, I'm, I'm glad I, felt, I felt more connected doing the morning study, obviously, yeah. to spend time with some peers than struggling to do it alone at home when I've got distractions of schoolwork that I should have been doing that perhaps I wasn't um and you know and and all the other distractions you have so. yeah and I think that's the at least a couple of years ago the way the church kind of site, uh, shifted with mm -hmm. seminary 
uh, because I'm sure when when I did it was around the same time as yourself. It was four mornings a week. You yeah. got Friday off, um, and but now I think they went to five because they wanted uh, the youth to have a contact with church every, seven days a week. So you'd have your five seminary days, then you'd have an activity on a Saturday and Sunday services um, to keep them. That that might change regionally. That might be different from one region yeah. to another. I know like the youth nights are different nights depending on where you were. So ours was on a Tuesday. So on Tuesday nights, we used to have a, a whole seminary group um, before youth night. Um, so we're doing Monday home study or early mornings, Tuesday before church, we all get together. So we've got Tuesday morning as a lion, and then we've got Wednesday, Thursday, Friday um, of, of doing those studies. Cool. Um, so we've got a few people on the chat. Hello, Alana um, and 21st Century Saints in Glenda. Um, so it's just nice to know that there are people who stayed up late here in the UK and to listen. So we're going to move on to one of your, the first stories that we've spoken about from your youth um, and from youth camp. Yeah, um, I, I just shared, shared a, a wonderful experience a short while ago. Um, I, I just recall one youth camp. Um, we did an overnight hike. And uh, when we came back to our tents, we found out that the uh, the young women who were in a, an adjacent field, we weren't allowed there, <clears throat> but somehow they got over to our camp and they trashed our tents. And uh, we wasn't we wasn't very happy with that. Um, so we we snuck into the girls camp at night. We grabbed hold of one of them by the sleeping bag, pulled them out of the tent and then covered covered her with baked beans and pilchards and boot polish. And with um, sides. Um, so if, if anyone missed that, that last part, um, <laughs> Gary, Gary um, spent his evening covering a, a fellow youth member, a young woman in pilchards and beans. Yeah. It, it, it was it was good. I mean, the, uh, the the young woman in particular, I'm still friends with her. Um, really? Uh, well, on Facebook. Okay. So uh, we, we, don't, yeah. we don't we don't we don't speak, um, you know, because she's she's still a Mormon and quite busy. But we yeah. do kind of like each other's posts occasionally and cool. might do an occasional comment. But yes, we are still friends. It was very, you know, very much accepted as, you know, this is this is the fun, the the, the punishment for, <laughs> for the crime. Well, um, it was no, it was it was all good. Yeah. yeah. And certainly the, the young women would try to get us, you know, many times and we would try to get them and it was all part of it. I, I can't believe they were so close. Um I know at least when we went, they they either they were always miles away. There was no no getting to them. Do you know? Do you know? Sorry, I, I'm going to share a random experience I haven't shared with you. No, um, I I, uh, I gate crashed. It was Romford Steak. I gate crashed there. I say gate crashed. I shouldn't say that word. I was invited um, to their to their camp, and uh, and uh, and they had the men in one area, young women in the other, and I do recall. Um, getting my sleeping bag 
and putting it over my head and being in the circle with the young women um you know and no none of the leaders kind of knew it's me under the sleeping bag until oh, until until the next day you know the leaders suddenly kind of approached me and said who are you and, and I was like well I did introduce myself yesterday and they're like what are you doing here and I was like well I was invited by you know these people and they, they were a little bit agitated that I was there but you know if I was invited I was invited and you know certainly you know I was just there having a good time and enjoying myself same as all the other youth and, and bonding with with people doing all the fun stuff mingled with scripture <laughs> mingled with scripture awesome. yeah. um, a quick hello to Alyssa on the uh, on the chat um you reminded me of a story when i was at youth and uh, at youth camp and it was very different because we were in a four-man tent and back then the leaders would actually sleep in the tent with you um to make sure that you weren't uh, sneaking off or whatever it might be these days obviously um we don't do that um but at the time there was uh, a leader called bill loved him and there were three young men and we were all like deacons little bratty kids mm -hmm. and he was so he was in the middle and there was one on one side and two on the other side um, and i was right up against the tent wall um and he decided he'd tell us uh, a story like a ghost story um, and this ghost story, uh, basically, uh, it was about, we were on a big campsite with all different fields um, for different parties. So he was talking about the caretaker of the campsite was an alcoholic. And this caretaker ran out of alcohol one night. Um, and all he got left was uh, methylated spirits. So he downed these methylated spirits. And then he was stumbling around the campsite and he came to a campfire. And he was sat with um, some other campers around the campfire and he burped a massive belch. And then he sucked it in and he sucked the, the fire in with it and his head came clean off, right? Wow. And to this, day, to this day, the caretaker wanders the campsite at night looking for his head. And if, you find, if he finds you with his head and the head touches you, then you die, right? So we're all like, and, and, I, and I bet you've never drank meth since. <laughs> you know what? That stopped me right then. Yeah. It stopped me right that moment. The yeah. worst thing was, um, there were young men from uh, a, a neighbouring ward, the Derby ward, and I didn't particularly like them, but um, they were just outside the tent. They, they were either just passing or they were coming to play some prank, but they must have listened to the story because right at the end of it, they rolled a football into the wall of the tent and it hit me on the side and I lost my shit. <laughs> Apologies. I was out of that tent, <laughs> you know, just tore, tore the zip out and I was gone. Uh, yeah, youth camps were... Uh, out of fear or out of anger? Oh, out of fear. I was so scared. <laughs> like, the head had just touched me. <laughs> You know, I was just funny. like, oh my gosh, I was gone. Um, awesome. So we progressed through youth. Um, I think we both took very, very similar tracks. Um, and then we were prepared to serve the Lord for two years, wherever he called us, um, to mm -hmm. foreign climes. Um, yeah. 
expecting to go to the Philippines, Brazil. I had two brothers go to Canada um, and we were both called to serve in the UK, which is fantastic. Um, for the same price as going to Australia. Um, so thanks. Uh, but you had a story uh, or a particularly interesting first visit to the temple. Yeah, I did. Um, in, in preparation for my mission, you, you go to the temple and you, you, you do what they call taking out your endowments. Um, at the time that I had to go for the temple, the London temple was being refurbished. So I had to go to Frankfurt temple. You know, which is, if you consider how much extra cost that was for a lot of a lot of the saints in the UK to fly to uh, Frankfurt with your with your family, you're not going alone. You yeah. know, just to have this temple experience. Um, so it it was it was bizarre because um, because it because it was in Germany. The session I attended was actually in Spanish, not even in German. Um, so what they do is they give you a headset so that you've got a, a translation while you were there. Yeah. And uh, I, uh, <laughs> in, the, in the temple, I'm speaking, making sure I'm speaking to all the audience. In the temple, you learn, you learn a lot of handshakes that the Mormons are kind of famous for, um, very similar to the Freemasons. And uh, and at certain points during the endowment, you have to kind of do these handshakes. And every single time I was putting my hand forward, I had a static electric shock every single time. And uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, obviously there's 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 a little bit of me that was kind of smiling because there's this there's this <laughs> there's this poor old guy because he wasn't young per se. And each time he was coming around, because it happens a few times, each time he comes around, it's kind of like, yeah, I know what's going to happen. And, uh, and, and it would happen. And, and there's part of me that kind of feels, you know, was I, you know, was this, was this God intervening, given this electric shock? Because you, you were know, the was, was I unworthy? Should I have not been there? All these questions that kind of run through your head. And, um, and, and you have to, you, you make covenants in a temple, the Mormons are, you know, very vocal on the fact that they make covenants and I'm there every single time I kind of moved my head the headset stopped working so there, there was a long periods where I'm like I have no clue what's going on and uh, and you have to say yes to the government or, or see as it was in Spanish yeah so I'm about my head going see to goodness knows what um and then you and then you have to do a bit where um where there's there's a prayer being said and you have to follow the words but, and that was all in spanish uh which had its its challenges you know i'm trying to speak spanish when i didn't speak a word of spanish i, I speak oh, french but i can't speak spanish um so that was that was my first experience and because you travel all the way to uh germany you're not going multiple times i went through that yeah. once and then went off yeah. that was it um yeah, yeah crazy maybe, maybe you were the guinea pig and the whole point of the, the thing was to really test the gift of tongues. And they were like, here's a young man who has prepared himself spiritually to serve a mission. He's cleaner than clean. He's here in the temple. And we're going to 
we're, we're going to, you know, give him this Spanish headset rather than an English one and we'll see how he gets on. And you got all the way through. I am surprised they didn't put you in the enzyme. Um, yeah, maybe, maybe. <laughs> that, that, that would be revealing too many secrets, wouldn't it? It would, yeah. 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 Um, but hey, it's, it's a lived experience, isn't it? Um, my dad, dad of PD, um, he went on his mission to Bristol, which is where you went, yeah, um, yeah. many years before. And he was a convert to the church in 17. And he didn't realize that there was anything different about, or he, he didn't know anything about the temple or having to go to the temple before his mission. And he went to the uh, mission home in Bristol and all the American missionaries were there and they were all getting ready for bed. And my dad undressed and he just got his boxers on. And then all these Americans undressed and they've got these funny long johns on. And they all looked at him and, and said, Elder, you know, where, where are your garments? Um, and he's just like, I don't know what you're on about, lads. I'm just uh, down from Nottingham and this is what it is. Uh, so he had to get shipped across to London Temple the next day um, to be initiated. Uh, but yeah, it's... That's crazy. That's... <laughs> That's amazing that they, that the leaders, <laughs> maybe they just wasn't prepared back then. Maybe it was just a bit ropey. I think it was then. like, it was the late sixties and there was probably a lot yeah. of opium going around and different things. Um, so well, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think when the London temple was built as well. I don't know. It was definitely the London temple he went to. Him and his companion yeah. got to go. Okay. Um, so, do you, do you know anyone called Ozzy Johnson? Uh, Ozzy. Uh, no, I know, I know Ozzy Osbourne. Uh, <laughs> I knew an Elder Johnson. Uh, I, I think it, it might be Elder Johnson. So, moving on to your mission days anyway, because that's where we were going. Yes. Um, Elder Johnson, um, I am assuming he's, he's um, he said that he was wearing his ironic G's. Um, interesting. But he's asked, have we covered the mission incident of rolling the Nova? What, you guys or me? You. Oh, God. Did you How roll did you, the Nova? Did I tell you about that? No, you didn't. Elder Johnson's just told me about it. Oh, Elder Johnson. I'm oh, sorry, I'm with you now. I know yeah, who you're talking about now. Right. He's in the chat. Yeah, yeah, that was an interesting one. Um, <laughs> uh, I, was, I was serving in a place called Hlanabilla. In Wales, and um, it's, it's very rural, and um, it, it wasn't an over, unfortunately. The Nova we took back to the mission office, it broke down on the last hill. We had to let it roll into the mission office dead. And uh, and they gave us this brand new Vauxhall Corsa. And bearing in mind, time period wise, the cars were changing from being very box like. This Corsa was very round, very sexy as a car, you know. So, um, yeah, privilege to have, and uh, and we was told, you know, don't don't break it, kind of thing. <laughs> Famous last words. So um, so we, I, I remember we we went to a member's home in the middle of nowhere, and I remember my companion had some sandwiches or something on top of the vehicle, and the car was jump, a dog was jumping on the car trying to get the sandwiches, and I was like, oh no, it's gonna scratch it. Uh, anyway, on the way home, 
Um, I it, it was raining, very windy. It was dark, and uh, I I took a bend a little bit wide, and uh, and um, uh, and the car started to slide, and uh, there was a car kind of coming in our direction, and I was obviously on on their side of the road at the time, <laughs> so the car kind of shot shot past and hit a verge and kind of flipped onto its side and i just thought oh he's gonna kill me and then the car kind of rolled onto its roof and uh you know and i just thought i'm dead anyway um you know and the whole car kind of caves in and 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 it's it's so weird if anyone's been in a car crash to be dangling upside down and, and and to look at somebody else sat next to you who's also dangling upside down in their seat belts and and uh and i think he said something like well you can take your foot off the pedal now <laughs> <laughs> I was just just kind of spinning away um the the uh, mission president that, that we had in the bristol mission uh, was uh president pugsley um uh, philip pugsley I, i've had a lot of respect for him uh, especially after crashing the car when when it was five days old and and i had to i had to do the phone call and say hey hey president is is uh, elder whitfield and um, because we will go by the title of elder as a missionary and, and he was just like oh elder whitfield how are you and i'm like yeah not too good and, <laughs> and I had, to, had to explain yeah i had an accident the car crashed and he was so good and he just said are you okay yes is your companion okay? Yes, he's fine. And, uh, and he said a lot of well, but that's the main thing, isn't it? Uh, and I was I was so ashamed, you know, because that was church money in my in my mind. Yeah. In fact, um, three days later we had church on Sunday, and I was incredibly um, cut. I think is the best word to describe it. I was cut when a church member mentioned it and, and had found out before you know before i had a chance to 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 fart to be honest and um you know the rumor mill had gone and and she was there obviously you know having a go at me for crashing the car as well and i was already just feeling just awful for demolishing the car i still to this day will turn around and say hey i was i was the safest driver my companion was the one who wanted to jump the car on bridges into the air, like, you know, like Starsky and Hutch. And I was always the one trying to say, calm down, kind of thing. Um, yeah, that was, that was a shame. No, awesome. I think um, mission stories are the best. And I think we've all, we've probably all got 10, 15 mission stories that if someone just reminds you, you're just like, oh my gosh. Yeah, how we've forgotten that actually happened yeah. to you. Um, but that brings us to your contribution to the Priest of Dispatches blog. Um, yes. Now, your contribution was titled, If This Mission Was a Horse. Um, and before you go into it, um, this story became legend. Uh, you served in Bristol, South West England. I was yes. serving in northeast england probably two or three hundred miles away from you um and uh they yeah we heard about it um and yeah it, it was like wildfire um and for anyone who uh 
um, maybe doesn't understand that it's, it's a certain apostle who has uh, a habit for kind of setting these fires that just burn so through. We can, we, can name him. we can name and shame him. Yeah, yeah it's, it's our favourite musket-toting, jowly, gibbering, taffy-pulling, patty-cake, <laughs> flamming, pulpit-breaking, Elder Holland um, came you to your title. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> Did I leave out first of his name? <laughs> no, 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 it's good. Cool. Jeff. So I'll I'll let you take the rest. So um so so the thing that, that you heard that, that, that everyone heard at Bristol Mission went through a, a period of of um, of what they would call apostasy, where basically there were there were, there were supposed to have been these twelve apostates. Uh, apostates who um, who were running amok, you know, going. Uh, the the, the rumour is obviously big that they went maybe to France or wherever they were just doing whatever. Discussions of them having their own secret tattoos and all yeah. kinds. Um, and whether it was that time period or, or slightly different, all around that time period, whatever. Um, Jeffrey R. Holland uh, visited the mission and pounded obviously as he does on the pulpit uh, and and was basically sharing his disgust and that's where he he said that statement if this mission was a horse i'd shoot it and uh i didn't realize what that meant until later in my life I actually uh lived uh in a house which had racing horses they uh, the lady who lived in the house was breeding racing horses and if a if a horse got a cough because of the cost of keeping the horse and everything else, yeah. it's just too much. And they, uh, the expression knackers yard is obviously where they kind of shoot horses yeah. uh, and, and the horse was good for nothing. So they, they shot it at that point. And that's when I learned kind of what essentially they were saying that, you know, if this mission was a horse, I'd put it out of its misery. Um, he was disgusted in it. And I know that there was um, a situation where um, as the missionaries were kind of going out, they, they had the opportunity to, to look in the eyes and, and they were told whether they stayed on their mission or whether they were to go home, apparently. I wasn't there in that period. Um, this is everything I've heard. Um, but I do know he said that in, in, our, in, our, in our mission in the past. And he, he returned, Jeffrey R. Holland returned to the Bristol mission and so there was kind of an element of fear um of, with him kind of coming to our mission and i i had a a relatively new missionary at the time i was kind of finishing training him and uh i was asked to play the piano so i wasn't i wasn't sat with my companion and uh <laughs> you know as elder holland kind of went on i looked across and my my companion was there kind of swamped over sleep. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just ex I was expecting him to kind of berate you know this this uh, my my companion and start spitting from the stand um to be honest he actually turned around and said if he could influence where his son went on a mission he would have sent him to Bristol mission and I think that was that was all due to the uh, to the mission president 
and and, he, and his leadership because he was just such a such a nice guy but it wasn't long maybe was it in the oh, i can't remember when but they eventually shot the horse um the bristol mission is no more um, yeah they, yeah. they amalgamated you know, into two neighboring missions do you know it, it's funny because um i i left under um president pugsley um set my honorable mission next mission president came in and for some reason this is awful and i, and I still reflect on it and, and i wasn't there for the crossover but somehow the new mission president had kind of embedded it that you know anyone who served with President Pugsley was apostate and he wasn't obedient kind of thing. And I was just like, wow. wow. It, you know, he was a million miles in the wrong direction because certainly when I served my mission, don't get me wrong, there were a few who were sent home, you know, just as normal. But everyone had a lot of respect for the mission president and that kind of helped obedience, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, in, in comparison to some of my friends who served in, in other missions where it was more of a, a jolly, I think I think everyone in our mission worked really hard uh, yeah. for not much kind of reward. And uh, you know, that was we, kind of it. We had a mission president come in who kind of wanted to make a name for himself. And he introduced something called Sacrifice Week. And we had to give up P-Day um, there was no meal appointments. There was no uh, teaching appointments for every minute of every day um, where we weren't either showering, studying, or, you know, just otherwise engaged in personal whatevers. We had to be tracked in. And it was a wow. week from hell. It was a week leading up to Easter. And I think he thought if we tracked it long enough, Jesus would come again. But yeah the, the the numbers were astronomical i'm sure the area presidency saw them and and he got some sort of promotion when he went home but it was just the worst thing as a missionary you know because you need you need times when you can just do this just chill out you know you've always got those members <laughs> thanks mark he was a tosser uh you've always got those members who you know you can go there and you can just chill for an hour, you know, and eat something or... Well, it can kind of like almost be yourself. Is that almost what you're saying? You stop being that robot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so the chat's looking good. Um, hello to Alyssa, who funnily enough uh, commented when you were speaking about your youth um, and she um, was in the youth program with me. Um, hello to Alana, who she says that she had the nickname Flash on a mission um for oh we don't is i i do recall seeing a sister missionary in her garments that was that was kind of interesting she was, where she are was, you she going was, i know sorry she was french i'm joking oh, yeah. give us more give us more oh god you want to hear more yeah come on give it to me no it's just very simple she was french she was very french you know what the french are like oh. and and um so there was myself and the zone leader and a few others and we we kind of knocked on the door for the sister missionaries because we they were not there they should have been at the chapel or something we were making sure they were okay and she just came to the door in her in, in her undergarments and oh my gosh the door wide open and we were there kind of going okay dude for for a sexually repressed 
missionary who is trying his best not to do anything with his little factory and to stay away from all contact with women that would have been like just the worst experience of my life we had someone come to the door and she was beautiful and she had a sheer top on and i could it was my door and i couldn't speak she was with my missionary goggles yeah 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 like a pinup and my companion kind of nudged me and i was like oh what yeah i i had i had an experience very similar where um she came she came to the door incredibly attractive and i was there saying is, is your parents there she said no and i said that's a shame <laughs> and at that, at that point my companion just burst out laughing and uh, and i and i caught what i said and i think we spent the next 20 minutes trying to breathe at the door while she was just looking at us just thinking what the hell oh, and we were, we were just trying because i can i can get a word out at that point i was just laughing so hard cool um it was um, something so small you know what it's like something so small that just tickles your funny bone and you're dead so ozzy johnson is actually mark johnson yes uh, i know yeah i know he's mark johnson yeah cool not ozzy osborne or anything like that mark yeah. hi mark okay and he asked oh no he he said um that bristol was a hotbed of apostasy and that there were polygamists of Wells Road Ward 2. Oh, yes. Yeah. Like openly polygamous. Yes. Yes. Wow. That's special. Um, yeah, I, I, I wasn't, I didn't serve in the Bristol State, okay. but I, I know of the people who were involved in that. And uh, yeah, it, it, it sounded, it sounded pretty hardcore, you know, that they were basically got to a point of being escorted out and they were kind of like they're almost the heavy boys um yeah not not to recall their names for the the monites yeah are they called monites i don't know mark's put the monites yeah monites yeah my my um yeah my dad served down in abergavenny and he always used to sing this song and it's one of those songs that they drill into you as a child um, and you just change the uh, unit name so i don't know if it's a bristol mission thing um but i'm gonna sing it because i've said that i can't not now so everyone bear with me is are you from venny abergavenny if you're not then you're just not living at all are you from venny Abergavenny, where we baptize something and oh, I forgot it. I'm goodness, I forgot it. But <sighs> it was was it a, a mission thing, or am I just being? Am I just remembering painful memories from childhood? I think you just remember. <laughs> I think it may have been from a mission before my time. Okay, cool. And and, and 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 Mark, please don't ask me to sing "Wonderful and Marvelous Is Jesus" to me. I mean, that was a, a mission song um, that we used to sing it around. Um, oh, singing in around classic, uh, classic. Yeah, and like yeah, yeah. You don't you don't get that on top of the pops. You don't get no. it on TV or in, in the charts or anything. Singing around, but um, no. uh, London's burning, I guess maybe. Yeah. yeah. 
but we we won't do that now because unfortunately no, 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 no. we're live Off and track. we can't we can't edit it or use auto tune because um, we're we're just not there yet. So uh, you served your mission, um, and I think for this evening, that's where we're going to end with those experiences and stories. Uh, we're going to move on um, to something that everyone's been loving um, the last week or so. And I think I mentioned to you before, there is nothing that Mormons love more than being judged. And I think it's because it's either, um, I don't know if it's, uh, virtue showing or wh whatever it is um, but I put out there the Mormon score um, and this is something that I just thought up randomly um, I think it's because some Mormons love their Rami anthems yes if that makes sense which basically means they like a, a, pedest a pedestal to say yes we are so great we are so spiritual look yes. how spiritual we are let me show you how spiritual I am, which is what you are kind of showing. Virtue signaling. Yeah, virtue signaling. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. So if, if anyone um, either hasn't yet done their Mormon score, um, it's on the Priesthood Dispatches website. The link to that is in the description of the show today. Um, if you don't find the link, it's priesthooddispatches.com forward slash Mormon hyphen score. Um, but basically, it's a little kind of bingo sheet of standards, um, uh, events in a life, uh, in a Mormon life, performed in a roadshow, uh, eaten suspect food, uh, award activity. And there's, there's a few rules at the top. Um, and depending where you come, um, once you've ticked off your experiences, depends on your Mormon score. So if we roll down the leaderboard... Um, to find you, Gary, you yep. are oh my gosh, I'm way down there. I'm down yeah. there. Look at that. You're down here with me. You beat me by now, one point. Now, now, to be fair, I didn't, I didn't read the bit at the top, so I may not have done all that, all that special gain more points if you get a row kind of malarkey. Oh no, <laughs> I, don't, don't act now like you got more. You would. <laughs> no, no, I'm happy to stay at sixty. You know? Basically, the pair of us were mediocre, um, but yeah. a score of 60 um, means that you were Mormon cannon fodder. Um, you were all in and would have died for the cause. You owned the front line. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that probably goes for both of us. There are some people on there that got 90 plus. I know, um, that's, that's frightening. And yeah, that's crazy. But there, there were some things that I never had a chance to do. Um, yeah. So. I never had a chance to dress somebody. Yes. Yeah. yeah I mean, that. I mean, that, that to me is one of the most bizarre concepts. So, so um, <clears throat> there's not many faiths who 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 dress people when they die, but but obviously, LDS are, are among them, and uh, and obviously that the thought is, <laughs> despite the fact that your body decomposes, that somehow your clothes are going to be sealed to you for an eternity that when you're resurrected, Hey, I'm still wearing the same clothes. I was buried in wonderful magic. Hasn't, hasn't, you know, deteriorated at all. And, uh, and, 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 and off, off you come out of the dead kind of thing in, in these clothes all ready to see God. And, and I find that concept so weird because if you can imagine, um, I mean, I, I remember watching my girl when I was young and they showed somebody who did makeup 
for the dead and they were dressing people up as elvis and shit yeah so if you can imagine if you can imagine a day in mormon's mind they're all gonna they're all gonna come out of the out of the ground all dressed in their like temple bakers outfits and then and then all of a sudden, all of a sudden elvis presley comes along uh-huh. <laughs> you know and, and i wonder how many other people were dressed in those clothes but it's just it's just crazy to imagine that yes god is really going to make sure that that the clothes you're buried in are going to be the ones that you're going to be in when you're resurrected bearing in mind that resurrection is about your body not just about your spirit how yes. weird is that as a concept but could you imagine uh, like imagine for a moment that the truth of this whole thing um forget all religion but the truth of this whole thing is that we all come back in whatever we're buried in so like you said your elvises your madonna <laughs> your tooth yeah. is your people who died on a fun run and were dressed as a, a, a blow-up elephant um or the, yeah. back, the back end of a horse I'll be oh, I'll be buried in West Ham colours or um but all, all I, of I think it'd be great are... kind of dressed as President Trump that'd be great <laughs> if, I, if I wake up if I wake up from my death if somehow you know there is life after this I don't believe in that person yeah. but if I wake up from my death orange face swipe over yeah. you know that'd be and and wearing Trump's kind of a costume that'd be brilliant in fact the resurrection is is sounding more and more like halloween could you imagine though all of these people in the random costumes get together and they just look at one mormon brother and say what the actual chuff were you thinking yeah <laughs> but they dressed you in that yeah what, what would you wear what would you wear for the Where resurrection what would you wear me yeah Ooh. To be honest with you, I think going back to it, I want to be buried like a Roman centurion or stripling warrior with the sword and all, sword and shield. Um, Have you so got sword and shield? No one will mess. You know, leather skirt. Like it. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. yeah more, more about the fact that you want to come back alive and say, you know. But I just want to wear tight, tight leather clothing and, yeah, dominate everyone. I don't know where that's going, but we'll stop it right yeah. there. You better ring your bell quickly. Yeah. <laughs> so we're coming we're coming up to our hour mark and, and that's kind of the cutoff for us because no after dinner chat should go more than an hour. Um the kids are done playing and I think we've got to know each other pretty well this evening and, and we've got through pretty much everything we planned to. Um just quickly, Alyssa twenty nine, her Mormon score is woeful um i'll just say that you know where were you like when the jobs were being handed out clearly not at the front of the queue uh, yeah but she might she might have been one of the wise ones who left before uh no I, i'm giving you the benefit of the doubt by the way yeah no i know Alyssa. um but that that gives her she comes in the bracket 16 to 32 points which is mormon military support uh, she said she was in Zanzibar um, and yes Zanzibar in Derby a very good haunt um, tried to get in there when I was 15 once and for some reason they wouldn't let me in I had no idea why um, but yeah you you are Mormon military support the front lines just weren't for you um, but yeah 
Awesome. So thank you so much, Gary, for sharing with us uh, your stories from youth and from your mission. Um, I want to trail now uh, this week's uh, blog post. Uh, it's live on the website. So it's called Liar Liar Pants on Fire. And it's by Luke Firestoker. A little bit different this week. It's actually a poem. Um, and I think I've got it here. Oh, so this is the website. If anyone uh, is wondering how to get in touch, you can contact PD here. Just click on that and it will start the email for you. Um, but liar, liar, pants on fire right there. Uh, the link to this is in the description, show description. Uh, and his poem is entitled Mormonism makes liars of us all. Um, so, yes, everyone go and have a look at that. It's online now. I'll be sharing it through Facebook tomorrow um, so as not to absolutely bombard the uh, the stream with all my posts, which are plenty. Okay, back to that. Um, other things to look forward to. A week tomorrow is Sunstone UK in Birmingham. Unfortunately, Gary won't be with us um, unless you're hopping on a plane um, in the next week or so. But it's in Birmingham. Go to the Sunstone Facebook page to find out more. Uh, there's a competition, a Priest of Dispatches competition for stories um, to be entered. So if you do have a story, you can either email on waroffice at priestofdispatches.com or as I showed you just before, you can go to the website. Uh, please like the video, subscribe. I'm going to do that thing. Subscribe. I think there's a button here somewhere pointing to my shoulder there. Um, to subscribe to the show, uh, you can find us on Instagram, TikTok. All the links are in the show description. And if you feel that you could part with a pound or two, you can also find a link to the Priest of Dispatches Patreon page. Um, that'd be great. We love sharing these stories with you and we will be back in the next couple of weeks with episode three. Thank you, Gary, um, for everything and listening to my blurb. I think I've got everything there. Um, and we will see everyone in the ex-Mormon groups um, over the coming weeks where I am sure with General Conference there will be a veritable shitstorm. Um, thank you and good night. So big thanks to Gary for joining us on the live stream. My apologies for my singing. Um, I did remember the song in the end and it goes, are you from Martha? From Merthyrville, if you're not, then you're just not living at all. Are you from Merthyr? From Merthyrville, it's the best place in all the land. If you're a missionary, Merthyr is the place to be. Challenge, testify, and baptize families. Are you from Merthyr? From Merthyrville, cause I'm from Merthyr too. You can see how atrocious my childhood was <laughs> the nightmare anyway thanks for listening uh please like and share on facebook youtube instagram tiktok wherever it might be um and i'll catch you on the next one bye
If you enjoy the stories here at Priesthood Dispatches, please consider leaving a review on wherever you get your podcast from. And if, like many, you're listening and thinking, wow, something crazy happened to me too, get in touch with Priesthood Dispatches either on our website at priesthooddispatches.com or via the Facebook page. Alternatively, you can email the War Office on waroffice at priesthooddispatches.com. Thanks for listening, and remember... We shall fight on the beaches, we shall fight on the landing grounds, we shall fight in the fields and in the streets, we shall fight in the hills, we shall never surrender.